known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. Good afternoon. This is the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you are here. And I, I know people are listening because we go out to the parishes and uh, people come up and say, hey, I like the noon show on Monday. So uh, thanks for listening. It's an hour where we can just chit-chat about the things going on here in the, the Dallas Catholic world, uh, the, the, the Dallas Diocese, the Fort Worth Diocese, and there is a lot going on, more than we can ever keep up with. Uh, we visited a lot of parishes over the weekend, uh, so we'll tell you about some of our tales and uh, uh, kind of you know the folks we ran into and the priests that we want to thank, and uh, it's just it's always great to to be out at the parishes. And there's events coming up and all kinds of uh, uh, exciting things happening here in the winter of 2023, January, and um, so that's what we'll spend most of the first half talking about. Also. Uh, Patty Vasquez, who is our relatively new assistant general manager of our Spanish station, uh, is joining us because she went to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. last week. And I, I just saw her this morning and I said, hey, come on the air with us. I haven't even talked to her about it. So she's here to give us a firsthand, you know, kind of report about what it was all like. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have that in just a moment. And uh, we have Diane Xavier in studio. Cecil is on the other side of the glass. Uh, William Kirkendall handling our social media. So we are on our uh, TFW North Texas Facebook page. So thanks so much to William for his, uh, his work behind the scenes here. And uh, second half of the show, because it's the fourth Monday of the month, is going to be our regular University of Dallas segment on the Good News Show. And we have um, Shannon Valenzuela uh, from the university uh, with an interview, uh, part of their their, their quest series, uh, Katie Prejean um, McGrady uh, is going to be her guest, and so that's going to be the, the the UD segment that we'll play right at the bottom of the hour. So, a lot going on. Thanks for joining us, and a um, lot to talk about. So, uh, glad you're with us. So, uh, anyways, uh, Diane, good to see you. Good to see you. Diane doesn't look too depressed. Diane's no, our biggest, biggest sports fan. And uh, just mm. just news break, the Cowboys lost, okay? Oh. So, I'm used to it by now. I'm sure, yeah. sure a lot of our audience isn't even paying attention to it. Not that there's anything wrong with paying uh. attention to it, but just in case anybody's like, I wonder how the Cowboys are doing. They lost, Listen, okay? there's a reason why I don't watch the games most of the season, and I was watching with my brother last night, and I was like, this is terrible. Like, I mean, I know. I had to I go because I was like, this is just sad. Yeah, yeah, it went too good. I watched some of it kind of in, on and off. I mean, off at least it was an that. exciting game. I always, I always like going to a mass. Like, we went to a lot of churches yesterday. Yes. That, that's like during the Cowboy game, a big game. And I look at all these people, and they either <laughs> are just like, hey, mass is more important, or they just don't even realize the Cowboys are playing, yeah. you know? Uh, so, anyways, uh, Patty is here. And uh, you went out to, flew out Thursday, stayed Friday, the weekend, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, tell, tell us about your time. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, I went out on Thursday, um, 
I just wanted to be there um, for the pre-events towards the march, the vigil, and then um, Friday, of course, the march, and then over the weekend, I went to New York, so... It was a full you weekend. You went to New York? Yes. Oh, did you really? Yes. Just kind of fly up to I New York, huh? I just took a little trip up there, you <laughs> okay. know. Uh, but um, other than that, I mean, the March for Life was great. It was well attended. Um, and it was just very exciting to be part of the first um, post-Rome March. Mm-hmm. You know, it it took us 49 years to march. In a march where we could say Roe was, you know overturned yeah and so it was just an amazing time a great lineup of speakers and it's just you know that energy when you come back and you're like whoa did i what was i just dreaming because you know you wish that our society was truly like this Mm -hmm. that everyone thought and, and thinks you know that life is precious from the beginning and you know you get out to the world and that's not the case we still have to fight so this was what this march was really all about also just to keep us going because a lot of people do think that just because roe was overturned that it ended and it really didn't like states like new york um they're still at it you know Mm -hmm. up to nine months so and now with chemical abortion popping up that was another topic that was discussed um, at the at the march that they're trying to you know find loopholes to get abortion um, and and give access to not only just um, like women but like younger women like the teens and you know without parental consent and all that stuff yeah. and so it was amazing to also see a lot of youth out there and just their energy. Um, they always, you know, energize me too. They, you know, it, they're like contagious. And mm-hmm. so I literally, I'm not going to lie, I was crying as I was marching because I was just like, you know, I'm I'm proud of those kids because I'm like, they're, they give us hope yeah. that, yeah. you know, not everything is lost. There's still good people out there and there's still a generation that has good values. It's just our culture is so infested that sometimes we don't see that you yeah know? yeah that's awesome and so you you've been there other years right yes, and have. you would say the the crowd size is was comparable or bigger uh you know it's it's hard to kind of tell it's, unless you yeah. see those aerial shots you know but it, uh it, you, the general feeling was a lot a lot of folks yeah a know? lot and the good thing was that i mean we're all the people that were there were still you know dedicated and I guess really excited because this was the first March after row. Yeah. So it was also a time to celebrate. Yeah. And I, and it was so painful to see some of these, uh, pro abortion politicians like, uh, our own president, uh, saying, Oh, it's, you know, would have been the 50th anniversary yeah. and like kind of lamenting. And as Abby Johnson put in her own little delicate way that she was <laughs> glad that she deprived these. The, the people of the the you know their their quote celebration which i just that's just so demonic that you yeah. would celebrate 50 years of killing babies uh speakers uh, i heard jonathan rumi uh the jesus there. from the chosen was he like the keynote or who um, what were some of the talks or any any uh takeaways from the talks that you heard yeah well i really liked him that he addressed the youth and it was interesting i had never heard this but i guess there's a gen alpha now um 
I had heard about millennials and the Gen Z. I'm not really into oh, all the that. Oh, the, the young millennials. Yeah. And so he's like, hey, Gen Z, Gen Alphas. And I'm like, oh, 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 I guess I'm, I'm too old now. For, <laughs> you know? Um, but And you'll keep getting older and older and older. Yes. So, yeah. But I was the just alpha, like. I wonder how old they are. Okay, I don't tiny, know who okay. the Alphas are. But I guess they were there because they all screamed. <laughs> so, um, but I guess it's like the teenagers and, and stuff. But the Gen I'm, I'm I'm really glad that he focused on them. Mm-hmm. And he was straight up. He said, you know, I really don't talk about this. This was the first time I'm being public about my pro-life stance. And he was like, how could you not, you know, if he's playing the role of Jesus? Yeah. And so his also his devotion to the Catholic faith, he encouraged to pray the rosary, as Father, Father Pio said. Um, and just that courage he had because he said you know this could also cost me my career future roles yeah etc um but i'm here and you know just his conviction and to put that out there i i, I really admired that about him not and and he said it clearly not just because i'm playing jesus from the chosen you know don't look at me as that look at me as an individual right now talking to you guys mm-hmm. so i really like that about him he was yeah. really good and another um speaker that i really just liked was uh, she's the sister of life i forgot her name but she i i never heard this before and this was a beautiful testimony she actually has a twin and her twin sister was born with down syndrome Mm. and it was just the most amazing thing and just how the mystery of God works. Um, yeah. Didn't she take her sister's name as her religious name yes. or something? Did you see that Jerry Jacob yes. sent something through? Yes, it is yeah. really, really beautiful. And, and I'm trying I just to find thought her name. that was just, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, then you, I don't know, did you have a like some important meeting that you went to? Or are I you able to did. tell us about that? Yeah. Um, well, it was, a, it was a gathering for all the national um, pro-life leaders with the USCCB Pro-Life Secretariat, we had a mass um, of Thanksgiving. And just after that, we had like a little reception where we also got together to network and also just to discuss next steps um, in the pro-life movement. And I really appreciated that this meeting was taking place. This was my first time going. And the reason that I was there it was because um, I'm actually part of a group. Um, we're trying to form... Um, or revamp because this group was already formed. It's a national effort formed by Father Agustino Torres, which some of you guys probably already know. And CFR, you guys, yeah. CFR. He's founder of Corazón Puro, many other uh, ministries, but he founded Latinos por la Vida, which is a pro-life organization, which has um, the same intention as the USCCB to unite leaders, um, but this is to unite leaders in the Hispanic community. Mm. Um, kind of like to form like a coalition and um, just to to know who we are fighting in the trenches out there because a lot of the times, you know, it's just incredible how united the pro-abortion movement is. And they all know that at least their leader um, was at one point Cis- Cecile Richards. Mm-hmm. And right now, everyone knows that when you think of abortion, you go to Planned Parenthood and that's like, the ringleader for everything. Yeah. yeah. And it, when it comes to pro-life, there really isn't one main leader. It's like everyone doing their own thing. And, you know, we just want to make a way to work together mm-hmm. and try to kind of find a solution to point 
everyone to one direction yeah. when things go yeah. down. Right, like Roe, right. you know, when Roe happened, everyone had their own, well, what's going to happen or is it really happening? And so we needed to hear from one voice and it was took a couple of weeks, but we got it. Um, and so basically that's what Latinos por la Vida is doing. And that's why I was at that meeting just to kind of get the feel with all the other leaders and yeah wow yeah. wow what a, what a great experience so then yeah. you fly up to new york uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and now you're back and okay now I'm back. well thank you very much for that report i'm glad you're back safely and uh, how how exciting so you say this first time you've ever been to dc for the march is that right no i've been there before oh okay so, yeah. okay i'm sorry yeah. i thought i, I thought uh, i heard you but say the first time for the USCCB meeting oh so. i see okay okay mm-hmm. great well thank you uh patty vasquez she's our mm-hmm. assistant gm on the spanish side and uh boy we've all we've had uh, so many uh you know big time leaders come through mm-hmm. from aurora and omar mm-hmm. who used to you know work here and now uh, you it's just really even on the national level that are doing mm-hmm. a lot of great work so mm-hmm. thank you for what you're doing and uh thanks for spending some time on the show with us today thank you all right, there it is, Patty Vasquez, uh, our assistant GM of KJON, uh, 8.50 a.m. And uh, let's spend a little bit of time talking about the weekend that was. <laughs> and I always like to uh, thank the, the pastors and the parishes that welcomed us out because uh, it's car raffle season. We have uh, Friday, February 24th, we're going to give away a, a Mercedes-Benz a CLA 250 uh, coupe in polar white, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful car. Somebody's going to win it. We thank you if you've already bought tickets, and if you haven't yet, you can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and find out all the information about it. And uh, most of our ticket sales are done by going out to parishes. And last weekend, we were at six parishes, and so I just want to kind of call those out. And uh, Diane is here because she went to um, – uh, Let me. I'll just say what they all are, and then we'll talk about specifically some of our uh, stories uh, out there on the road and going to these parishes. Uh, St. Elizabeth Anseton Parish in Keller. Uh, our volunteer Dan Porter handled every single one of those masses. And so thanks to Father Flynn uh, for allowing us to go out there. Uh, St. Andrews in Fort Worth, Father Jim Gelati and uh, Sacred Heart Munster, way up in the northern part of the Fort Worth Diocese, uh, Father Joe Keating, um, and then uh, Father Jack McCone at uh, St. John the Apostle Parish in North Richland Hills. Uh, Father Jet Garcia allowed us to go out to Father St. Michael the Archangel Parish in uh, McKinney and St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Carrollton. Uh, Father Sushil, who's a TOR uh, Franciscan. So those are what we, um, those are all the ones we went to. Diane, you went to St. Michael's. You were in at the McKinney. Sa- Saturday Mass. Uh, yes. I don't know if I've ever been to that parish. That's Phys- a very beautiful parish. Is it physically a bit beautiful, like yes, architecturally? It is. Oh, uh, I think so. And then they have the St. John they Paul bells, statue. They? Like they have a, a bell tower, isn't that right, Diane? Is, uh, about, do they have a bell tower? Yeah. Oh, Diane doesn't have a headphones Oh, sorry. On, so <laughs> you might want to put headphones on here. Then otherwise you don't have to make it sound like you're ignoring us. So. <laughs> I was just like, I know. Oh, she was just kind of okay. like so standing still. I was, I was like, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, nowadays I think a lot of parishes it's are It's really, really towers. cool. Because yeah. I was, I went to the parish. I actually didn't get a chance to go inside the parish when we did their fall festival broadcast mm-hmm. a, a few months ago. Um, but I remember hearing them in the background thinking how yeah, cool that like was. Like the cathedral in downtown, the Guadalupe Cathedral with that big, yes. big tower yes. and right there in the and the arts district is really cool. So, uh, all right. So, uh, not a lot of time, but Diane, uh, any takeaways? Anybody you met? Anybody that uh, any stories or anything that you want to talk about from your time well, there at St. Michael's? Uh, there, I met some people that didn't. Right, you're know. not. You're not on. Yeah. Um. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> um, I met some people, some people that didn't know Guar. 
you know, Guadalupe Radio existed, but she said, you know, so many people are moving into the area, into DFW. Like, so many people are migrating mm-hmm. here that they still don't know about Catholic Radio. So we that's why these parish talks are important, because yeah. DFW is one of the most sought-after cities to live in now. Yeah, I mean, everybody's We got people here. from everywhere, and they need to know about Catholic Radio. Yeah, and a lot of people bought tickets. And Martin said on the Spanish side over at St. Michael's, it was the same story. Uh, so, all right, well, thanks. And I saw on LinkedIn, I commented on it, uh, you're celebrating an anniversary of the GRN. Oh. How, how many years is it? Well, I've been here since '09. I started off as an intern for two years. So, so like 14 uh, years? 14, yeah, 14 oh, years. Oh, wow. So they, they just kind of generate that automatically. It's not like you say, oh, LinkedIn, send yeah. out. Okay, <laughs> Let so, everyone know. Thank you. Yeah, it said, uh, you know, congratulate Diane Xavier thank on you. her 14th year Woo! at the GRN. So uh, congratulations, you Diane. You know, what's amazing is when I started, I got into the whole pro-life movement. I went to the Planned Parenthood luncheon. They invited me for free. Well, for you may, may explain why you were there. Well, I mean, I mean yeah. um, <laughs> well, I went to, uh, as for, for the to cover it for Guadalupe Radio, and I just ran up there to get a quote from the PR lady from Planned Parenthood. we wanted to know what they were doing. Yeah, what they were what doing. They were and, yeah, um, yeah. She we, just, yeah, you never paid to go. Yeah, you know, okay, I just, just practiced decorum. That's what you do when you're facing an opponent or whatever. Proper decorum. And she let me in, and then I found out they're building this million-dollar facility in Fort Worth, you know, a hospital like Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And then it's just amazing, 14 years later, it's overturned. So, yeah. you know, we still have a lot of work to do, but that's... Quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of work still to be done. And I mean, the, the laws could, could flip, you know, just one election. Well, you could, know, throughout, could what I found out was throughout history, um, abortion has been uh, legal before and then illegal. So it keeps going back and forth. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah, and it's, you know, state to state as well. And so, uh, all right, Diane, well, thanks. So, again, Father Jet Garcia, who I do not think I've ever met, but I, I thank him very much for allowing us to come out there to St. Michael Parish. And, of course, Steve Gleason, uh, one of our super volunteers, that's his parish, and uh, he spoke. And Christina Dodd, one of our volunteers also, and then Diane as well. Sissel visited three different parishes, uh, St. Andrew, St. Catherine of Siena, and St. John the Apostle. Uh, so one anecdote from each. Oh my Can, can you think gracious. of one thing from each one of them? No <laughs> okay. pressure. So at first I went to St. Andrew's in Fort Worth, which I've gone to in the past years. I went for their vigil mass on Saturday. Uh, I was able to meet some lovely people there. I had one lady come up and say, oh, I went to the Dr. Ray tapings. I had so much fun. And she's also like, I secretly want to work for Guadalupe Radio. Oh, really? <laughs> so yeah. I gave her my card. I said, well, if you ever want to come volunteer, we'd love to they show you around. Our North Texas assistant? Uh, well, wow. Okay. All right. You need to tell me something, Dave? No, we're not hiring. We're <laughs> oh. not hiring. I just wanted to know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was like, oh, do, do we need to have a talk? <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, that was really lovely. Um, all the people out there are so enthusiastic to win. I always make sure to emphasize the app because, you know, the further west we get, the more out of our listening zone you get. But I, I, when I drew, pulled it, it's always nice when you see a bunch of bumper stickers on people's oh, yeah. cars, which is yeah. really so lovely. So you saw a lot of I uh, did St. see Andrews. quite a few. Yeah. I did well, see quite Father a few. Jim Gelati yes. uh, is a TOR Franciscan, a longtime priest, used to be at St. Maria Gretti Parish in Arlington. And uh, he, I, I did not get a chance to see him because I, I was only either. there for that one mass. And uh, Joseph Miller, our volunteer, was there for the most of the morning masses on Sunday. Uh, Father Jim is a very, very exceptional priest. And if you've ever been to a mass with Father Jim Gelati, he he teaches 
throughout the mass, you know, like, uh, and I talked to some people there and they said, oh yeah, he still does that. You, you walk out of the mass thinking, okay, I really got a lot <laughs> I out really of this. Know things, so, yeah. uh, so thanks to him. And, and uh, Father, Father John, John mm-hmm. was, uh, I think also a TOR and he yes. said the masses that we were at. Um, all right. So that's that. St. Catherine of Siena in Carrollton. Yes. So St. Catherine of Siena in Carrollton. It was my first time doing a parish talk at uh, St. Catherine's, which oh, was really right? fun because I, for the last, like, I think five years, maybe one year in the pandemic, we did do it, but we did a, I've done a live broadcast for their autumn fest that yeah. they have every October. So it was really nice to go there and actually get to speak in front of everybody mm-hmm. and, you know, got to mention that I am there and I had a lot of people come over. They're like, oh, I remember seeing you or the deacon who I had interviewed comes over and talks to me. And so that was really, really lovely. Um, and a big, good turnout there. Lots of very enthusiastic people. You know, a lot of people say, oh, we listen all the time or, oh, I'm going to download the app now. And, and so it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and, um, Father Sushil is like lovely and wonderful, um, to have us out there. I got to talk with him a lot. Um, so yeah, it was a very vibrant parish and I had a lot of fun there. Yeah, so I, uh, thanks to, uh, Father Sushil and, uh, yeah, they've always been very supportive of there. Rosemary was the, uh, contact over there at, uh, at, uh, um, St. Catherine of Siena in Carrollton. And then, um, I also thought it was interesting with St. Andrew's. I mentioned Joseph Miller did most of the masses over there. Isn't St. Andrew the patron saint of Scotland? I think he is, oh, right? Oh, is he? Oh, uh, now I, I, I think have to Google so. this. And uh, Joseph Miller is Scottish. He's got this, uh, This he's he's a, he's a Scotsman. And I, I'm i pretty sure that St. Andrew. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I, I hope uh, I hope uh, Joseph incorporated that into his talk. It would be <laughs> kind of fun. So uh, Sacred Heart Munster. I know I'm kind of skipping, because I know okay. you were at one other parish, and I went there as well. But uh, Father Joe Keating, let us go out to Sacred Heart in Munster. Uh, Diane Redman and Rob Brohl were out there. And I just this morning interviewed the principal of Sacred Heart Catholic School in Munster. Uh, her name is Nisa Lego, and she is just a joy-filled lady. You can hear the the joy uh, that coming out through the radio. And so, uh, thanks for that. That's going to air this Saturday at three ten p.m. Uh, Munster is just a unique community. You yes, know, it's. It uh, I mean, you go to some cities and they all kind of blend together, and it's kind of hard to tell from you know one city to the next. Everything's a little bit unique, but Munster is very unique. And I did not get out there this weekend, uh, but it, I really appreciate being allowed to get out there and, and be, be in Munster for that. Uh, St. John the Apostle in North Richmond Hills. Yes. Uh, that, that was interesting because we were outside. <laughs> yes. And it was cold and windy and just, yeah. <laughs> We've determined that I, uh, I've determined anyway, I don't make good uh, outfit decisions before 7 a.m. <laughs> and so I didn't check the weather. I showed up and I'm in sandals and it was, it was like in the 30s and I went, oh dear. Um, so a lot of offering up was happening that morning. Um, but yes, it, 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 we're always thankful to be able to come. Yeah, out. I set up my table, uh, and this was my, my doing. But uh, right where the sun was coming up, it was just blaring. So when people approached me, all I saw was a silhouette. I and I had to tell people, I said, I, I don't, I can't. All I can see is your silhouette. I don't even know who you are. And then they're standing two feet in front of me. Oh my gosh. Uh, but it was so just everything was crazy. But uh, Father Jack and Father Sam Ball, yes, yeah, your your buddy, my friend, yes. uh, Father Sam stopped by after the uh, mass yesterday, last night, and. Uh, uh, said hello. He bought a couple of tickets himself. I told him, I, I want a priest to win this Mercedes. <laughs> and he said, yeah, me too. <laughs> Wouldn't that be that's great? Right. That would be hilarious. Well, he if he wins, he better be taking us for rides and oh, that yeah. thing. Yeah, that he, I would, he better. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks to Father Sam and uh, Father Jack. And let's see, are those all the parishes? I, I think, <laughs> yeah, St. Elizabeth and Keller. 
Uh, One you know, amazing uh, volunteer does it all. I know. <laughs> it's a lot of masses. <laughs> I know. Uh, I can only imagine uh, how how crazy busy that was. So Dan Porter, our, our wonderful uh, volunteer. That's how funny. He's... Uh, uh, oh, but yeah, uh, and so Dan, yeah, Dan did all the, the 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 sales for that. I think he had one other night at Columbus, so I was helping him. So th- th- thanks to Scott Cook, uh, who is their chief of staff over there, and also Father James Flynn. I was there uh, Saturday for a uh, First Holy Communion. Our um, our goddaughter Emily Therese uh, was um, received her First Holy Communion, so that was really beautiful. That parish is so big. Uh, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Keller that I think they had two different ceremonies for the First Holy Communion kids. Oh, my just, gosh. <laughs> just, just so many of wow. them. You know, but that, that, was, that was really exciting. Uh, so that's uh, that. I, I do want to mention uh, real quickly that we are going to be at four parishes this weekend. Only four? Yeah, I know. It's I a slow, slow weekend. <laughs> I know. And then six, and then six, and then seven. Oh, uh, so we got four more weekends. Oh my! Of, uh, yeah, six, six, seven. So this weekend, it's going Prince, by fast. I know. Um, Prince of Peace Parish in Plano, uh, Saint Peter the Apostle Parish in Dallas, which is an interesting parish because it has it, it services uh, primarily a Polish community and also an African American community. Oh wow, beautiful! Uh, so very unique parish over there on Woodall Rogers, uh, right by downtown Dallas. Saint Joseph's in Richardson. They got a new pastor, Father Stephen. Uh, Father Jason Cargo has now moved on to to uh, St. Mark's in Plano, and uh, also St. Joseph's in Arlington, which was just set up thanks to our friend Bill Jackson, and so thanks to uh, them. So yeah, this will be kind of a light weekend. We got just four. Just a little breather before the end. <laughs> I forgot to mention, Dave, uh, that at St. Catherine of Siena, I got to thank our volunteer Charles Gura who came over and helped me sell tickets because it was quite a line at the 11 a.m. bath. So I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, he, he's here. <laughs> he's over here. Yeah. yeah. He's, well, I saw him and I was like, oh yeah, I gotta make sure. I was, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I tell you, it's a, God is so good because I remember when I was at St. Joseph's in Waxahachie the first weekend, and Father James Yamauchi, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, kindly let us sell tickets and also stayed for their uh, chili cookoff as Most well. Most importantly, <laughs> and it, I just got flooded with people after mass, um, the Saturday evening mass, and uh, Jerry Jacob and his wife Judith just happened to be at that mass and so jerry sees that i'm in a frenzy and he comes behind and judith comes behind but god god sends people i mean we've got a new volunteer gene and she showed up and helped uh joseph and so uh god's taking care of us and so it's it's very very hard sometimes for just one person to do all the ticket sales and that that's that's a good problem to have uh all right so that's that's this weekend we also have a, a very special live remote Tomorrow morning, Tuesday at 11 o'clock. And I have to ask forgiveness because last week, unbeknownst to my to myself, I lied. Because when we were at My Mutual Mortgage yes. and, and um, Bob and Norma Duane were adding a ticket onto everybody who bought five. And I said several times, this is the only time during the entire car <gasps> raffle that's going to happen. Okay, But to, in my knowledge at the moment, that was true. Oh, so I think St. Thomas would even forgive yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Knights of Columbus from Keller are going to do the same thing tomorrow oh, morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they also are going to buy a whole bunch of tickets themselves. So this also was lined up by Dan Porter. So Dan is like our MVP. So the Knights of Columbus, uh, the first 15 sets, okay? So okay. if you're sitting home right now thinking, you know what, I'm going to get $100 worth of tickets. Don't go on the line right now and get them, okay? Wait till tomorrow morning during the 11 o'clock hour because the first 15 people that call in and get five tickets will get a free one. 
That's okay, awesome. Get, so really, if you think tickets. about it, just so let me break it down for people to fully understand. Tickets are one for $25 or five for 100 So when you do the five for 100 you're already getting that extra one, you know? When you get five, six for a hundred, you're getting two extra ones. Sorry, I, when I was a kid, I really wanted to do commercials, so I, let me just have my moment here. Let me break that <laughs> let down let for you. Yeah. I used to do toothpaste commercials. I, I love when people walk up to the table and they say, "I'd like four tickets," and I'll typically say, "No, you don't." No, you don't. You want five? I, I, yeah. I, I, I'll or, say, "No, you don't." When no. I'm helping people with the QR code, sometimes because the first thing they see is one through four tickets, they're like, yeah. "How do I get five? <laughs> and I, or or or, or they go like, "Oh, I need to get four, and four is not actually an option." I'm like, "No, because if you get four you get five magic uh yeah so so that that's a big deal so thanks to the knights of columbus 759 council uh in keller we'll be there and we're going to be talking about special olympics we'll be talking about a lot of things have awesome. to do with the parish maybe maybe father flynn or scott or some of the folks from the parish will, will come over and be on the air with us so all right so that's that um let's see we may have some other live remotes um this this uh, week, you know, never know. They they we, we sometimes stay always tuned in and follow our uh, local Facebook group because I try to at least post, you know, the day before so you have an idea of what we're going to be. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So uh, we're just about out of time. Let me just mention a couple of things coming up. Um, uh, big events uh, that are coming up. Uh, the the North Texas Catholic <coughs> Men's Conference oh, is yes. going to be April twenty second. Yeah, April 27th. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at me, who's a girl. <laughs> like, you're supposed to know when I the know a lot of these is. things, but usually <laughs> no. if it's something I can't attend. <laughs> and uh, speakers are uh, F- Father um, uh, Calloway, uh, D- Dr. David Anders. Oh, you know, awesome. the only time I ever saw Dr. David Anders speak at an event was in Florida. Really? Because uh, we, I went down there, uh, a bunch of us, me and Joe and Richard, we went down uh, to go on a on a deep um, sea fishing ex- expedition. Oh and, yes, yes. And do you remember that? I a remember few when years you were ago? gone. Yeah, I remember. And then yeah. we went to the event. John Tidwell was the GM at the time in Florida, and Dr. David Andrews was a speaker. Uh, so, anyways, so that that's going to be great. <laughs> at one time, I was at a conference where he was at, and I was at our table, and all of a sudden, I hear this voice, and I go. I know that voice. Like he was talking to someone else at another table, and I was like, "That's Doctor David Anders," because he has such a distinctive voice. Man, the voice. same thing happened to me. It's so weird. No, but the thing was, we we had rented like an Airbnb, and so we're all back because we were we had done our fishing expedition. We come back, and me and Joe and Richard and and John Tidwell and everything, and so we're all just kind of hanging out, right? And all of a sudden, I hear this voice, <laughs> and you're like, and Wait. I'm like, that's. It, it was him. He, he he was there, but he had like was. I, I didn't see him come in the room. He's sitting on the floor. Uh, Doctor David Anders. I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> how you doing?" You're like, but, uh, Whoa. He's a good guy. You know, That's awesome. Smart as smart can be, too. Uh, all right, we got to go. Uh, thanks, Diane and uh, and Cecil and uh, everybody. Gosh, what a, what a, an amazing car raffle season it's been so far. We're Take a very quick break, and then we're going to be back, and I'll introduce the UD segment uh, of the, the, the show. Uh, Shannon Valenzuela speaking to Katie Prejean McGrady um, uh, uh, for the Quest series uh, of UD. So quick break. We'll be right back. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. 
Hello, it's Todd Sluter, licensed professional counselor with Epiphany Counseling and longtime sponsor of GRN. I have been blessed to work with many individuals, couples, teens, and families in our diocese for the past eight years, incorporating counseling principles with authentic Catholic values. God wants you to have a greater sense of joy and purpose. If you or someone you know are struggling to find purpose, stuck moving forward with goals in life, or a relationship is not working, you may need to seek a counselor to help regain hope and healing. You may get in touch with me at 469-556-8336. All right, this is the Good News Show. It's January 23rd, fourth Monday of the month, and that means we always have, uh, during the second half of the show, what we call the UD segment. Sometimes uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford will come in, uh, the president of UD, and sometimes uh, he'll hand it off to one of his uh, the folks there at UD, and that's the case today. Uh, Shannon Valenzuela uh, from uh, University of Dallas, uh, in interviewing here Katie Prejean uh, McGrady. So here is the UD segment of the Good News Show. All right. Welcome. Hi, Katie. So great to have you here. And I can't wait to hear more about your story. We're doing this special series, Living the Quest, and talking about how we step out in faith and step out in courage and and follow the call that God gives us. And I think that your story is just so compelling. So let's start with that. Maybe you could just give me uh, the rundown, the the, the five-minute version, the short version, whatever you want to call it, um, share your your journey with us, how you got into Catholic media and yeah. and how it's got all started. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny because I was reading the questions and I was like, oh, that's right. I work in Catholic media now. Like it's a bizarre <laughs> thing to think of because when I went to UD and I graduated with a theology degree, I, I was just, I was going to be a teacher and I was, and I loved being a teacher and I loved working in youth ministry and then God had other plans. Um, so I graduated from UD in 2011 and then my first youth ministry job was in Chicago uh, and very quickly realized I am a Southerner at heart. I much prefer not having to shovel humidity over having to shovel snow. So I made my way back to Louisiana and taught at my alma mater for five years. I was a freshman theology teacher. I worked in youth ministry at my home parish. In the course of that five years, I met and got married to my husband. Um, we welcomed our first child after I left the classroom in May of 2017 and kind of found myself at a, a bit of a crossroads with still wanting to work, still wanting to do ministry, still wanting to create things for the good of the church, but no longer being in a formal classroom setting kind of gave me a lot of freedom to travel, to say yes to events when people would invite me to come speak and, and to say no to things that I didn't necessarily want to go to. Saying no is always the, the nice thing in, in speaking things because, you know, you yes, you work for yourself. You want to say yes to everything, but sometimes you're just not the right fit or you're, you're, not, the, you're not the voice that needs to be heard at that particular event. Um, and then I guess it was about, I would say maybe... And I'm trying to do the math in my head because time is a weird thing now. But I, I think it was like 2018. It was at L.A. Congress, which is this big, you know, the Religious Education Congress. It's this massive event. It's the largest gathering of Catholic publishers, actually, in the country. And I have a really great relationship with Ave Maria Press. I published my first book with them. I published my second book with them. We were in the process of working on a, a couple of daily reflection books for teenagers. And the, the publisher at the time, his name is Tom Grady. My husband's name is Tom McGrady. So Tom Grady and I always kind of got along because I was like, you're like, you're like my work dad with the same name kind of as my husband. And he walked up to me and he said, what do you see yourself doing in five years? And I, I kind of like rolled my eyes because, you know, you come to these things as a speaker, as a writer, and, you know, you get pitched a lot of different projects or like in the Catholic media world, like they want to use your name or they want you to post about them on social media. So I just kind of like thought he was like, 
okay, we want to, we want to put the lock on Katie Prejean McGrady. And I wasn't having that. Like I was like, I write for you guys, but who knows where the Lord's going to take me. But it, it kind of got stuck in my head. Like, what do I want to be doing in five years? And I knew it, I didn't want to be traveling the way I was traveling. I mean, I was pounding the pavement 120,000 miles a year with a one and a half year old baby at home. Like I, I was missing home a lot. Um, it was exhausting to be telling like the same stories over and over again to different crowds and everybody was engaged in a different way. But like, I was looking for something a little more uh, life-giving content wise. So I thought about it and we actually sat down and with Avi Maria Press, we started dreaming up what is now since become a, a project I'm incredibly proud of called Ave Explorers. And that's a podcast that's since amassed over 250,000 downloads. We have articles, we have uh, video content. We've got all of this free stuff that we've created for Catholics in the everyday world who just want to learn a little bit more about their faith. And so basically they let me sit down and say, who do you want to talk to? What do you want to talk about? And we'll give you some money to go do it. And it was kind of a dream job. And then from there, this phone call arrived one day. It was in August of, of 2020. So I was very pregnant and it was very much still the pandemic. And, yeah. and, uh, it was the Catholic channel on Sirius XM and the program director, a guy named Adam. And he said, Hey, do you want to come do a show for us for a day? Just, you know, it might be fun. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. So I did it. Uh, that was on a Tuesday. The following week, we evacuated for Hurricane Laura uh, and we're evacuated from our home for eight weeks. And uh, I, I just like it was I completely forgot about it. I was like, oh, that was fun. I did an hour of live radio. That was great. Never going to think about it again. And then they called me back in December, the week before I had my gallbladder removed. And they're like, hey, do you want to do another week of shows? And I was like, what is with this guy calling at the most inconvenient times to do this radio show? And then they called back and they said, okay, we want to offer you a full-time job. And that's when I realized at this point, like, I've been auditioning and I didn't even really know uh, I was auditioning. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad that I didn't know because of right. all these crazy moments. And so all of that long winding road to arrive at a place of, it was kind of an accident. Like all of mm -hmm. it was just like right place, right time, people coming up to me and saying, hey, do you want to try this? And, and that's truly, I know it's going to sound cheesy to say, like, I think that's how God works. But I think a lot of times in, in content creation, in ministry, especially women sometimes, like we try to make things happen because we know like this is what I want to do. And God is very often subtly kind of standing in the corner. And he's like, well, let, let's see how I can do it. And like, let's see how we can do it together. And I mean, had you told me when I graduated from UD in 2011 that I'd one day be on daily Catholic radio, I think I would have laughed. It, it makes sense because <laughs> I, I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm long winded and I can work in radio, but it's not what I ever expected to happen. And it, it's kind of a delight that it has. I love that. I love that story. And I love what you said about the, the sort of winding road or like things, um, things feeling like accidental in a way or or just it's it's funny how things just sort of seem to work out like that um and so in the first episode of the quest we talk a lot about that that process of listening for the mm -hmm. voice of god within uh, trying to discern our purpose trying to find out is this the right path is this the right step for me to take right now um and so was there a particular moment like you mentioned there's a couple of like key moments of like people sitting down or like coming up to you and just saying hey let's talk about this or getting that phone call. And did you ever sort of feel like there was a particular moment where you were like convicted inside, like that you knew that this was the path you were meant to be on and, and you just kind of had that, you know, certainty, I guess, mm -hmm. maybe uh, that, that this was the path that, uh, that God wanted you on. Yeah. So when, when Tom Grady asked me, like, what do you want to be doing in five years? 
And then he kind of followed it up with, he's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to pressure you into something like just dream for a minute. Like yeah. what, if you, if somebody gave you a salary to not travel, what would you do with that? Like, and I was like, well, obviously I'd feed my family. He's like, okay, now what would you be creating to not yeah. travel all the time? And so, and it was very much this, I like talking to people. I like hearing other people's stories. I like giving space for conversations in the church that are sometimes hard to have or like I really am interested in this topic like let's find 10 experts that can really dig into it and so there was this very cool moment of like he's letting me write my own ticket like he's letting me dream so that was a really cool confirmation I I remember calling my husband back in the hotel room and he said well there it is like that's what you've been wanting to do like anybody can create a podcast right it's really nice when somebody's like paying you to do it <laughs> you know everybody can like exactly. can That's start, right. you know, find an fm radio broadcast if they want it but like it's really nice when you've got yeah. the backing of of sirius xm um and so that was kind of a, a cool clarifying moment uh, another distinct moment was it just happened it happened not long ago i um i was at my daughter's school for an event and somebody asked me what i did and you know it, that people ask those questions, and it's rare that somebody looks at you and goes, "Oh, I'm a radio host." Like that's not a common job yeah, that you yeah. stumble upon <laughs> in the wild. And so I said that I was like, "Oh, I, I host a daily radio show on Sirius XM," and I just like left it at that. I didn't say it was a Catholic show. I didn't say like what we talked about. Like I was just kind of like, "Yeah, this is what I do for a living." And they, they responded, "They're like, oh yeah, you seem like somebody who would do that." And Tommy <laughs> and I both kind of laughed because I was like. I mean, I have a radio voice and I can turn it off and on. I don't think I was using it at that particular moment, but it was just kind of funny that they just, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, like it it was just kind of this further confirmation. And again, those might not sound like these earth shattering moments of clarity, but it was just kind of this awareness of like, this is what we're doing. This is where we're at. And this is where God has placed me. Um, And it it often is with other people. You know, there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of loneliness at times in radio. I'm sitting in my home office talking to myself. (laughs) Like people are listening here. And so it's nice when you get those little confirmation moments from outside. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Writing's like that too, as I know, you know, it's like you just mostly sit by yourself on a computer and like, it's just you by yourself. Um, No, I I love that. And I, I really, maybe we could talk a little bit more about that invitation to, to take a step back and just to let yourself dream for Mm -hmm. a minute, because I wonder about letting ourselves have space to hear the voice of God. You know, like I think sometimes we're just rushing and we, we never are like giving ourselves, like you were invited, you know, to kind of take that moment and, and really sort of think about what you wanted to do. Um, but how often are we so caught up in, you know, the, the daily, just the daily grind of everything that we, we don't make that space for ourselves and we don't stop and say, Hey, what about five years from now? Like, is there something else that's sort of on my heart that maybe I just haven't been paying attention to? So Maybe could you speak a little bit about, do you think that's a good thing for people to, to maybe try to make their own space to do that if, if someone's not inviting them? Yeah. You know, it, I think, I think we all kind of, um, we put our heads down and we just try to make it like day to day. And, and, and on the one hand, like we do, like we just have to, you got dinner has to be made and the kids have to go to bed and like there's bills to pay and there's life to live. But I think there's a lot of grace in even just giving ourselves like five minutes a day to say, like, if I if I could do one thing for me today, like one thing that could help me achieve a lifelong goal that I've had, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to make that a reality? And and some would say like that's selfish, right? Like right now in the throes of raising young children, like my priority should ultimately be just them. But like I'm a better mom 
when I give myself mm-hmm. space to take care of those things that give me life. Because then I know that I'm like, I'm focused on a, on a variety of, of goods. Um, my husband's a school teacher. And I, I, if you see me keep glancing over at my phone right now, it's because it's National Signing Day when we're recording this. And one of his uh-huh. students is the number two uh, running back in the country. And so he has wow. been courted by some of the biggest schools. Like high school football is a big deal. College, this kid's going to go pro yeah. someday. So my husband has been, he's taught this kid for four years. Uh, he's now in my husband's AP biology class. And we were talking last night. I was like, okay, so what's Trevante going to do? Like, where's he going to go? I'm, I'm hoping he goes to LSU because I want to go see this kid. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not driving to Florida to go see this kid. Right. <laughs> and, and Tommy said something that I, you know, it, it's a rule of thumb that we often even hold on to in our own life. So like, I know, of course he said this to Trevante. It was just like, there's no bad decision right now. Like you have a wealth of goods in front of you and it's just deciding which good is going to get you it, it, quickest to your goal, if that makes sense. And I think sometimes in discernment, I think sometimes in dreaming, I think sometimes in trying to pay attention to the voice of God, we think it's right or wrong. We think mm-hmm. it's black or white. We think it's, oh, it's if I mess up, if I make this mistake, yeah. then everything's going to fall apart. My life is over. And like, that's not often the case. Like in the moment, it might feel like the biggest, worst failure imaginable. But if yeah, we give yeah. ourselves room every single day to see the abundance of goods available to us, I think then we end up thriving. I, I know that might sound a little yeah. polynesian. and it might sound kind of roundabout, but that's why I work in radio because I can just kind of go around and around <laughs> if I need to. <laughs> no, but that makes so much sense. I love the saying, uh, God draws straight with crooked lines. And, yeah. and sort of like that, that idea that, you know, as you said, we, we sort of have these daily choices that are in front of us and, and we make, you know, we take a step forward and, and like God just kind of subtly kind of moving us along a path sometimes and we don't necessarily see it until we stop and we look back and we say, wow, I didn't realize like all that whole series of choices that led me to this one mm-hmm. moment, you know, and, you know, kind of thinking about your own story, just kind of the way that one thing kind of led to another conversation led to another thing. And it just sort of all builds. Right. And, and mm-hmm. sort of that, I love that idea of, of sort of letting go a little bit and not feeling mm-hmm. quite so life and death at every possible moment you know, yeah. that, that we can just, as you say, focus on the wealth of goods that we have in front mm-hmm. of us and, and work with that. I think that's great. Um, but there are challenges, right? There are yeah. obstacles along the journey. And I think sometimes we have this idea like, oh, if I could just find what God wants me to do, like the road will be paved. It's going to no more obstacles, no more challenges. It's just going to be like, shh, you know, it's going to be that that's super smooth sailing. Um, but I don't know that that's, that's usually not the case, right? We usually have to deal with challenges and obstacles. And I just was wondering if you could maybe speak to any that you've encountered and anything maybe that you found helpful as you navigate, you know, Mm -hmm. the obstacles or challenges that have come with your own journey. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mentioned I was a teacher. I, I left Chicago and I came back home and began teaching freshman theology at the school that I went to. And I was there for five years and in the final year, um, there was quite a few challenges in regards to administration. And this is a tale as old as time in Catholic schools where teachers don't see eye to eye with their admin. And I, my contract wasn't renewed. Louisiana is an at-will state. There was a lot of conflict. The diocese even admitted that there was no reason that I didn't get a job offered mm-hmm. to me for the following year. But I found myself six months pregnant in May of 2017, jobless. Um, and my husband also taught at the school at the time, and his contract also wasn't renewed. So we were both jobless. Oh. We just bought a house right around the corner from the school. We're expecting our first child, and we didn't know what was coming. I mean, we had savings, like we could survive for a little while, but obviously we needed jobs. Yeah, yeah. You know, I traveled and spoke from time to time, but like that was going to have to increase significantly if, if we were going to continue to make what I'd once made as a teacher. 
And there was this, this really clarifying moment of, of both like pain and sadness. It was a hard loss and it's taken a number of years and there's been a lot of healing since and, and, and a lot of things that have kind of, we've become very aware of the fact that, you know, God literally closes doors because he wants you to go through other, other spots and other places. Yeah, and, and yeah. It sounds cheesy, but it's very true. But there were a lot of moments in those immediate weeks afterwards of like, okay, was I not as good of a teacher as I thought I was? You know, like did, did, was, you know, you feel you have that imposter syndrome. You start to doubt and question everything you've ever done. That's positive. We were very consoled by a community that rallied around us almost immediately, like of like, this is wrong and, and fighting on our behalf and, and recognizing that there was a lot of injustice there. I won't go into all the details, but suffice it to say that we found ourselves kind of at this massive crossroads of, okay, what's next? Um, and it, it was a really cool pivot opportunity. One, like this opportunity to be able to stay home for the first few months of my daughter's life and not have to rush back into the classroom. But now I could take the gigs that I wanted to take and say no when I wanted to say no. And, and that was, I, you know, those two years where I was working for myself and she was home full time and we just paid for nannies when I was on the road was such a gift and was not something that we ever expected we were going to get to do. But in every single one of those big, like painful moments in those immediate days afterwards, I kind of kept going back to, um, it was actually advice that the late Dr. Mark Lowry gave me uh, when I was discerning what I wanted to study in college. And it was what, what can't you live without? Like of all the subjects that you could possibly study of all the, of all the pursuits in your life, what can't you live without? And I thought I couldn't live without teaching. And in reality, like God was making it abundantly clear, like, okay, that was a phase of your life. And now we're going to go to this next thing. And, and I think when we face these challenges, it, it gives us an opportunity to really discern like, okay, what needs to be pruned? What is bearing fruit in my life and what's not? Um, what do I need to maybe notice? Like the nuances and the, and the subtle movements of the Holy Spirit at this particular moment. And again, I know sometimes like this all sounds, I, I, I joked, I, I, my, my husband calls me Pollyanna all the time because he's like, you're just too <laughs> optimistic about stuff. And it's because things have a way of, mm -hmm. of landing where God wants them to land. It might not be where I would have thrown the horseshoe, mm -hmm. but it lands where God wants it to land. And I mean, that was a dark period of my life. We're coming up on the five-year anniversary of it. And I just now, like a week ago, set foot on the campus again for the first time in five years. That's how long the healing of losing that job and losing that place took yeah. because it's a slow healing process. And so when we experience these pains, we experience these struggles, when something doesn't work out the way it works out, like if I hadn't gotten the Sirius XM gig, like I'm sure maybe my, my opinion on some of this would be a little different. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's that cheesy phrase, right? God doesn't bring you to it unless he's going to bring you through it. And yeah. there's something to be said for the battles we face, the challenges we face, the hardships that come our way are not happenstance and are not accidental and, and are certainly not caused by God, but are permitted by God. And, and then we get to engage in relationship with him to get through it, if, if that all makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's so much to that of just, the, it, it's a, it's about trust in so many ways, right? It's about trusting that, as you said, that God, if he brings you to something that he's asking of you, that he will be there to guide you through it, whatever that is going to look like, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we talk a lot about, um, I want to maybe pivot a little bit and talk about courage mm -hmm. and talk about that. Um, and we, we talk a lot about courage. It's one of the sort of core virtues, I guess, that we focus on in, in the course of the quest. And particularly courage is understood as perseverance. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's just that, that virtue that kind of helps us to stay the path, right? And put one foot in front of the other, even when things get really, really tough. Um, and 
I, interestingly, I've gotten so many questions from people who don't recognize that maybe that what they're doing is courageous in that kind of way, or even that their lives, you know, are even extraordinary in some kind of way. And I, I wonder about this because it, it's made me really think about, is there even a such thing as a quote unquote ordinary life? you know, as we're living out the purpose that God has given to us, right? Is, you know, we think about the stories of the saints and like examples from history. And it's like, okay, you know, people whose names are are remembered on buildings and things like that. Um, but does that really mean extraordinary, right? Is that what right. what extraordinary really means? Um, or, or should we broaden our definition? Um, so I just wondered if you had thoughts on that, what you would say to people who are like, I just want to be, you know, quiet in some, you know, just work an ordinary job and have an ordinary life. And like, is there a such thing as that yeah. um, if we're living our purpose? Thoughts yeah. On that. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's beauty in the ordinariness. Yeah. Like I, yeah. you know, the, the, I, we're big office fans around here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's like the closing line. Like why, why I thought it was weird. Y'all would come spend nine years filming a paper company, but like there's beauty right? in the ordinary. <laughs> the majority of our church year is ordinary time. Like mm-hmm. the best moments of my life are not when I'm live on national radio or when I'm flying to go to a conference with 5,000 people. Uh, the best moments are when I throw fish sticks on the, on the, paper plates at dinner and my four-year-old tells me about you know going down the big slide at school today and she wasn't scared of it like those ordinary moments I think build up to a life of simple beauty and sometimes our world will tell us like we need the flashy or we need the filtered um, or, or we need the thing that other people would covet and be jealous of and like I'm I'm most jealous of the most simple things in other people's lives and so then well, if it's that simple thing that I'm, I'm jealous of or that simple thing that I long for in my own life, well, then it's probably pretty simple to make that a reality for myself. It'd be pretty simple to make that a reality in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I think we need to embrace the courage that it actually takes to every single day lean into that simplistic. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I never expected to love as much as I did when I was traveling as much as I used to travel, uh, when my daughter was two, she started at this little Mother's Day Out program at a local Baptist church. So it was Monday through Thursday, 8.30 to 2 o'clock. So just a few hours a day, get her socialized, engage with other kids, you know, learn basic things. Um, I very quickly realized I was not good at homeschooling. And so, like, we needed something. Um, and, like, it's a call, and it's just not It's a call. call. I've been here, too. <laughs> he did not place that call in my life. Yeah. And, and he has in a lot of my friends' lives, and that's great. Um, but when I was traveling, like a lot of times we had kind of a bunch of moving parts to get her to and from school. Cause my husband's a teacher. So he eight 30, yeah. he's already in class two o'clock. He's still at school. So some days it was my mom. Some days it was my dad. We had a couple of really great college student nannies that helped us out with pick up and drop off. And it was actually a pretty rare thing for me to get to bring her to school and to pick her up. Um, and I loved getting to do it. Like the days where I would get to go do it, I just absolutely loved it. Getting to walk her in, getting to hang her backpack on the hook, picking her up, and like she runs to you down the hall. So when I, I stopped traveling as much as I traveled, and then COVID happened, and so then I really stopped traveling as much as I was traveling, and then I got this daily radio job. One of the best things with this job is that I'm not hopping on a plane four or five times a month. I wake up every morning at six o'clock. We're out the door by 7.15 to get to school. And then I get to pick them up when I get off the air at 3.30. And there's so much just joy in loading up the minivan, 
turning on our, our morning school playlist or, or putting on the rosary. If I realize like maybe she needs to calm down. Cause she's a little amp <laughs> like that, that ordinary drop off and pick up that yeah. rhythm. I think there's, there's a lot of courage that it takes for a person to be okay with this is, this is what it is. And, and to see the joy in that, um, that that's not courage does not come in the face of standing up to something that's unjust necessary. I mean, it certainly does. Like we need courage. Yeah. 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 And, and courage is not just, you know, like I, I'm going to go do that really scary thing that, that I don't want to do, but I know I have to do a lot of times there's courage in the, in the every day I wake up and I, I smile, even though I'm answering the same five questions, even though we're brushing our teeth in the exact same way again, even though I'm listening to the same song for the 15th time and it, it's driving me crazy, but that's what's bringing my kid joy. And so I'm going to find the joy in that too. Um, courage does not always look like Hercules. Like courage yeah. a lot of times is, is Hercules's mom just making bread. Like I yeah. think that's, the, yeah. that's for most of us and I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think it's such a good and powerful reminder that living the ordinary, mm-hmm. just daily demands of our vocation, as you say, does in fact require courage because it requires perseverance. It requires yeah. a commitment that you continue to make on a, on a daily basis to continue yeah. to do the thing and to show up. And that is a brave thing to do. And I just, I think we can sometimes get lost in the, in the great stories, you know, of, of, yeah. of the scriptures and of the saints. And we think, oh, that's, I'm just doing my thing over here. I'm a student right now, or I'm a single, you know, I'm just yeah. I'm a single gal and I'm just working every day. You know, it, we have to kind of reframe, I think, what courage means uh, mm-hmm. to, to give ourselves the space to, to persevere like that. Absolutely. Um, we're almost out of time, but I did want to close maybe because we love stories at the club. We just, that's kind of what we do is I love just it. relish the stories uh, that, that help us to have encouragement. And so I just wondered if there was a particular story that you really kind of keep returning to in your own journey, like mm-hmm. from scripture or the saints literature, even you, you mentioned the office a minute ago, yeah. so like even <laughs> film TV. I love that. Um, so I just wondered if there was one that, that you was a particular favorite of yours. Yeah. So I actually, I just wrote a think piece on this for Alatea a few weeks ago. I, I texted the editor and I, he's a friend of mine. Uh, and I said, I've got to write about this show and I need a thousand words. Awesome. Uh, and it was, <laughs> It's this, so it was a book called Station Eleven by Emily St. John. Oh, yeah. So I read the book during COVID. Don't recommend reading a book about a deadly pandemic in the middle <laughs> during of a pandemic. It, it yeah. messed with my head. <laughs> but the show came out on HBO Max as a mini series. There were 10 episodes in December and into January. And like we are, like I still cannot get this thing out of my head. I've, I've watched it all the way through twice now. The premise of the, of the book and the show, and I'm going to talk specifically about the show for a second, just because it's a little more, it's a little more uplifting than the book. The book is kind of depressing. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, a pandemic that kills 99% of the world. And so we encounter kind of three converging storylines of people in the middle of this pandemic, in the immediate 100 days after 99% of the world dies, and then the 20 years following. And we follow these two characters in the show, Kirsten and Jeevan who meet one another on the night that the pandemic hits in Chicago and then end up together, even though they were perfect strangers when they first met, like they end up surviving together. And the whole premise of the show is that in the face of tragedy and trauma, the only thing that really keeps us alive is art and community that we are not just human beings that exist to survive and make it to the next morning. But like we long to find things that give meaning that bring us 
joy. So, so we encountered Kirsten in year 20 and she's part of this thing called the traveling symphony. And it's this group of artists who travel around Lake Michigan performing Shakespeare. But like 20 years after the world is over, as we know it, Hamlet is still alive. It's like the most UD thing ever. Like I'm I know, right? Exactly. So, like, yes, like this would happen. Like I, Dr. Cryer would totally be all about I could, I could, Dr. Osborne would be the conductor. Like all of these people. so true. Um, so, you know, the geek in me loved it. Like the great books nerd was like, yeah, this yeah. book in the show was made for UD grads. But there's this one, and I'm not going to ruin it because I want people to go watch it. Um, there's this one moment of reunion in the last episode where like the climax of the show is a hug is two people finding each other after they've lost each other and just the enduring spirit of community. And, and truly to go back to that phrase, the courage that it takes to seek community, to foster community, to, to recognize that this is what brings meaning to our lives. Like it, it is such a heroically beautiful show. It's also made well. The needle drops are yeah. excellent. Like it's just a very well crafted,